Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com This is Ion Foxborough, the premier podcast for all things New England Patriots. Brought to you by Mass Live. Welcome back to Ion Foxborough. I'm Chris Mason here with Mark Daniels. We are at Gillette Stadium where Taylor Swift and John Bon Jovi saw the Patriots fall to the Chiefs 27-17. Mark, what'd you make of this one? Well, it was a game where the biggest cheers of the day came from when Taylor Swift was on the big screen, Chris. So I would say that pretty much sums it up. I'll give the Patriots this. They were competitive for a half against the defending Super Bowl champions, but in the end, as soon as adversity hit, the Patriots crumbled, and, and that's because... I'd say mentally they're they're a weak team, and that happens when you've lost ten games. You know, heading into it, the Patriots are now three and eleven. There were some good things that happened, but at the end of the day, the Patriots lose twenty seven seventeen. No one was surprised that they lost to the the Chiefs. I will say this though: I was surprised with how many red Chiefs jerseys there were inside Gillette Stadium, Chris. Yeah, and this is my. 10th season covering the Patriots I I do not remember ever seeing that many away jerseys inside Gillette it was to me it was pretty eye-opening yeah Patrick Mahomes was pretty easily like the number one crowd jersey for this game which is bizarre but I mean I guess that's what happens when you have a perennial contender with a generational quarterback come to town and they're playing a Patriots team that's totally lost right now. Yeah, well, what we saw essentially, you know, was the the new the new kings of the NFL, the Chiefs. It's what the Patriots used to be. It's what the Patriots no longer are. And I thought this game served as just sort of another reminder with all the reporting that's been going on around Bill Belichick. This game served as another reminder that, hey, you know what? The easiest thing for the Patriots to do at the end of this year is probably just reset. I'm talking about new coach, new GM, new quarterback, you know, watching the Chiefs. I, I just said to myself, man, the Patriots are so far away from really contending. I don't see how bringing back a soon to be 72 year old head coach who's struggling as a GM makes any sense. And, and I understand that like reporting is all over the place. And since our last pod and rap reporters reported that that Robert Kraft has not made a final decision and will let these four games played out. But 
I'd say so far these four games are not off to a great. These last four games are not off to a great start for Bill Belichick. So the most alarming thing to me from this game is that for the first time that I can ever remember, I don't think Bill Belichick was playing to win in the second half. I think he was playing not to get blown out. And that's just such a jarring thing um, where the Patriots had the ball near midfield, fourth and three early in the fourth quarter. They're down 17 points and Belichick punts again with like nine minutes or so left. They have another fourth and this one is a little further back in their own territory but another fourth and four down 17 points and he punted again. They get the ball back down two scores with four minutes left. They're at their own goal line essentially, but this is obviously you need two scores. It's got to have, you got to move the ball, got to get going. They bled 76 seconds off the clock with two running plays to get to third and four. They were huddling after these plays in an obvious two minute situation. It's like, what are you guys doing? It seemed like he was just happy to lose 27-17 instead of actually taking a risk, trying to push the envelope, win the game, but risk losing in far worse fashion. And I've just never seen that approach from Bill before. Yeah, for, for me, it comes down to the fact I think Bill knows he doesn't have the talent to beat a team like the Chiefs. And and that and that's there's two reasons for that, people. I mean, we can talk about injuries because the injuries, even this game, honestly, it keeps happening with the Patriots. They lost Cole Strange to what looked to be a pretty serious leg injury. I would imagine he's out for the year. That's your starting left guard. They were out there starting left tackle, Trent Brown. They're already out there leading receiver, Kendrick Bourne. They're leading running back, Ramondre Stevenson. Their best player, Matthew Judon. Their best cornerback, Christian Gonzalez. Like, that's a lot to lose. But I also be remiss if I said, like, there have been so many issues acquiring talent with this team through the draft, free agency, and trade that, like, the margin for error here was just raised within this season. Like, you could argue if the Patriots stayed 100% healthy, which never happens in the NFL, that maybe they compete for, like, a playoff or a wild card start, spot, maybe. But that would also be dependent on their quarterback, Mac Jones, improving, and that didn't happen. It's just, like, as I saw this game play out and I saw the coaching decisions that were made, I just said, you know what, this – this roster isn't good enough, and I, I think Bill Belichick knows that. But, hey, man, it's it's on you, Bill. You're the GM. I thought it was so weird that he kind of blamed injuries when he was asked about the punt with nine minutes left where he said, well, we had we had three starters out. And it's like, okay, what happened to next man up? Like, when have you ever been like, we didn't do this because we had guys that were banged up? That's just not something that happens with Bill. And, like, it, it's just bizarre. I think – and I wonder at the end of the day when, you know, Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick meet if that's Bill's – ultimate strategy his his he could just go up and say hey you know you know look at my defense was super competitive but we had too many injuries and it wasn't on me it wasn't on the roster building it was on injuries but i'd also point to the fact bill that you know your teams are about to finish under 500 for the third time in in four years And, and at the end of the day it's it's probably time for a very hard reset. It's it's going to be an interesting offseason. And I think we probably mention this every week on, on the podcast. But for me, it'll just be fascinating to see what happens with, with Bill Belichick. And, and the uh, the Ann Rappaport report that came out last night, and last night would have been Saturday night for you guys. I, what I did find interesting was that when Rapsheet laid out the three options for Bill, it was essentially mutual parting of the ways. He comes back or trade. What he didn't have in there was retire or fire. I thought that was interesting, Chris. And the fact that someone told Ann Rappaport, who I trust, that Mm -hmm. there's a chance he could be traded sort of opened up my eyes because I think Bill Belichick has the leverage. He has a year left on his contract, according to Tommy Kern, and he has all the leverage there. He could easily say, no, you're not going to trade me. You know, I just... 
force me to force me to sort of resign here. But I mean, I think in terms of best case scenario for Robert Kraft with Bill Belichick is you trade him for a first round pick and then you can add another asset. I don't think you're getting a first for him anywhere. Like, I feel like the trade thing is just kind of out there because Mike Florio at Pro Football Talk is obsessed with trading coaches and writes about it all the time, even though it hardly ever happens. I don't think you would get a first for him, but I don't know. I took Ian's report is I'm not saying it's untrue, but I think it was a uh, damage control from the craft camp there after Tom's report got out there. We're like, we talked about this on the pod last week. I believe Tom's report. I think that was just like some toothpaste getting out of the tube that wasn't supposed to. And I read Ian's as them trying to do some damage control and, you know, not to have Bill as a very, very obvious lame duck here for the next month. That makes sense. And I also want to point out, Chris, we should talk about the, the Patriots locker room following this loss. Um, for those who know, we get 45 minutes after every game to go in the locker room. Um, and this year has been hard, as expected, to a 3-11. There's been a lot of losses here. This locker room felt different. You know, I, I heard player, Chris also heard a player swearing in the mm-hmm. team's medical room or their training room. Multiple players refused to talk who usually talk to us. I would just say the atmosphere in there, Chris, the vibe felt very, very off. Even yeah. for a losing season, that was unlike anything I've really experienced covering the team. Yeah, that was easily the weirdest vibe to any locker room that I've been where it was almost like after something major happens and everyone's kind of like shell-shocked a little where you're looking around like, what what happened here? Like, what's going on? So super weird locker room. And like, this is their 11th loss of the year. So it's not like a losing locker room is an entirely foreign thing, you know, like, and they've been much more um, forthcoming. I don't know. I, I don't know what the right adjective is, but um, this this was just a totally different one. And I, I talked with one defensive player um, who didn't want to be quoted and essentially said, you know, the feeling was that they had to play perfect to even stand a chance against the Chiefs. And he, he told me that like players really, really wanted this game. Like they just really wanted to go in here and, and upset Patrick Mahomes. But like as soon as like adversity hit, the team kind of crumbled. And yeah. I was asking about the atmosphere in the locker room. He just told me that's like how difficult it's been on on everyone. But essentially, he also admitted like, hey, we knew that if we made any mistakes, we probably weren't going to win. Yeah, and I think the, the second Bailey threw that interception, you kind of knew the game was over, right? Yeah. Where it's like the field was so short that Mahomes was definitely going to punch that in, go up two scores, and then you have Bailey Zappi trying to like throw his way back into a game. You have obvious passing situations with Chris Jones lining up against Antonio Mafi, and it's just it's not going to go well. And, and in terms of like a Bill Belichick coach team, I thought one other thing that stuck out to me were the amount of penalties the Patriots had that ultimately hurt them. And and I think that goes to the coaching or maybe even the lack thereof that maybe some of these messages and some of the teachings aren't going through. Starts with um starts with the first play of the game. Um it's like a 49-yard kickoff return by or a 46-yard kickoff return by Jalen Rager goes to the 49, called back to the holding on Brendan Schooler. They had a fumble that was recovered by Jabril Peppers, called back due to uh holding penalty by Alex Austin. Three plays later the Chiefs score a touchdown. You had a um I'm wrong about that. They scored a field goal. I'm thinking of there was a remember the grounding penalty, Chris? Yeah. Patrick Mahomes got called for grounding, but that was offset due to a Jonathan Jones defensive penalty. And that, then Jonathan Jones was more upset after that call than I think I've ever seen him where he sprinted across the field to like give the ref an earful about it. He never usually does that. Yeah. And quick, the, quick right. sidebar on that. I think it's kind of garbage that like those penalties end up being offsetting, you know? It's like if there's illegal contact in the route and that forces the quarterback to throw the ball away. 
it doesn't feel like one should like take more precedent than the other where it's like cause and effect here, you know? Oh, a hundred percent. And what stuck out to me was all these penalties, they, they all ended up hurting the Patriots. Whereas the chiefs, uh, I'd say a well-coached team that, that didn't happen. So we go to the Jalen Rager kickoff return doesn't happen. Demario Douglas, by the way, caught a pass at the six yard line. He was, it was negated due to a face mask penalty that pushed him back 15 yards. And that led to Chad Rowland missing a 41 yard field goal. Then following Marte Mapu's interception, Bailey Zappi throws another touchdown pass to hunter henry gets negated due to a holding penalty it was just all these little things happened it's like and the patriots made good plays but they shot themselves in the foot yeah um and it's interesting too that like looking back at this box score there are only seven penalties in this game but it feels like they are all really consequential 100 and and i think that to me it's a big point of hey i don't think bill belichick's message is even is, it's like getting through as it used to you know they're just it's like back in the day the patriots under tom brady with with Bill Belichick would find a way to win but now it's like they're they're sort of finding ways to lose yeah I'd agree and we've also got some more locker room drama with JC Jackson yeah, you can't that, dive into that yeah that's where that's a weird one yeah so for those of you who don't know um JC was active for the game you know they only have so many active roster spots but then didn't come out for warm-ups uh was never on the sideline during the game didn't play a single snap Alex Austin started in this place and said that he didn't know he was starting until the game started. You know, he was like, so um, Karen Gregan, our colleague, reported that it was a personal issue that happened after the inactive list came out, but before the game started. What do you make of this JC stuff? Yeah, uh, it's it's not a good look. Um, JC Jackson, as we all know, has been in some some trouble this year. He got traded to the Patriots because, you know, he wasn't. Things weren't going well for him out with the Chargers, and they, despite signing to a massive contract, shipped him to the Pats for a six-round pick. He got benched against the Washington Commanders, and he got left at home when they went to Germany because he missed multiple bed checks and just didn't show up to the team hotel the night before a game. It looked like he was getting back on track, and I've talked to him multiple times. Go to Mass Live to check out those stories or you know, Google it. And JC has essentially told me that he's doing better mentally, and he learned from his mistakes. So to see him active... And not on the field at all, to me, was concerning. And I think like we all thought, like, what did J.C. Jackson do? But our colleague Karen Gregan reported he had a personal issue come up the right after inactives. And I'll just say this. It's, it's hard to speculate when you hear like personal matter or personal issue. I hope everyone is OK. I, I know I, you know, I believe he does have a child. I hope every everything with his family is fine. I don't know what would cause someone to basically leave a game and. The Patriots ended up starting Alex Austin, a cornerback, who admitted after the game he didn't know he was starting. And that's it's tough sledding against Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, and I think it's just so hard to count on JC. Like, right. like, don't know what's going on, but he just has not been a reliable player at all for you all year. You know, like, that's just – this is the second time he hasn't been out for warm-ups for a game. You know, like – and the Patriots have had multiple issues this year with cornerbacks. The first was another one was with Jack Jones and the Patriots ended up releasing Jack Jones. Who's, you know, playing well now with his former high school coach, college coach, Antonio Pierce out in Vegas. And you, you stuck, they stuck with JC Jackson partly because they felt like they needed him and they felt like he would play better for them. But just a sort of a, another, I think another example of things that used to go well with Bill Belichick, like, hey, let's take the player who's a problem elsewhere and it'll be fixed under Bill Belichick. Not necessarily the case anymore. No, and it's kind of been like that for a little while now, too. It's true. Like going back to Antonio Brown and all that. We don't have to dig up all <laughs> of the past, but so at three and 11, 
This team is still on track for the number two overall pick. They actually picked up a game in the chase for the number Huge. one pick. Yeah. Huge. Where they would be neck and neck with the Panthers right now if uh, they hadn't won in Pittsburgh. So really a weird situation moving forward. I don't know about you. I get a lot of like, they're tanking, they're tanking. I don't think this team is tanking. You know, I, I really think the players are playing hard. I don't think they're like trying to lose. It's just the talent isn't there. Uh, 100%. Bill Belichick would never try to lose. Like B- Bill Belichick is not wired that way. And let's be honest, Bill probably knows he isn't guaranteed to be back next year. Why would he try to lose games? He's still trying to catch Don Shula's NFL coaching record. But at, at the end of the day, the Patriots aren't good enough. And they've had a ton of injuries they don't have the talent. They don't have the quarterback. And it's really hard to win when you don't have the quarterback or the talent or the offensive line or the offensive weapons, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So we've got three games to go, folks. Um, away, Denver. Away, Buffalo. And home, Jets. What do you what do you think, Chris? Do they go 1-2, and 0-3, 3-0? Oh, I think 1-2. But that Week 18 Jets game could set football back like 30 years that's going to be a really, really rough one to watch, given the way the Patriots are playing offense and the Jets' offense is even worse. It's it's not going to be pretty. And I'm, I'm really disappointed that the Jets have been eliminated from playoffs. So the reports out there was that if the Jets had a chance to go to the playoffs, Aaron Rodgers would play. That would have been phenomenal to see Aaron Rodgers come in here in regular season finale, take on Bill Belichick and what could be his last game. But it's looking like Bill Belichick's potential last game as the head coach of the Patriots will come down to maybe Zach Wilson, maybe Trevor Simeon in the Jets. I still see the Patriots beating the Jets. I, I just, I, I find it, I would, I would be surprised if the Jets beat Bill Belichick, even with a horrible Patriots team, but we'll see if that has any ramifications on the draft slots. Definitely. Um, one other one moving forward is just with Chad Ryland. Do you think they're going to like bring in another kicker at this point where he missed a 41-yarder today. It's his seventh miss of the season, and it's fifth miss from inside of 50 yards. It's not good right now. And, you know, Bill brought Matthew Wright onto the practice squad after yeah. the most recent misses and then cut him. But I, I don't know. Like, what do you do at kicker moving forward? It's a really, really difficult position to be in. You're right. They brought in Matthew Wright and clearly liked what they saw from Chad Ryland. Chad Ryland has a huge leg. I mean, he honestly, I keep saying this to Chris, he's going to kick a 60-yard field goal in Denver. He has like he has that range. The problem is after his first miss, I think his field goal percentage was down to 64%. It might be up slightly to 65 or 66%, but that's bad, guys. That's really bad. And the Patriots, you know, drafted – Chad Ryland in the fourth round, he is the highest kicker ever selected in the Bill Belichick era. And then they and they opted to cut Nick Folk. Nick Folk is somewhere around 96, 97% on the year with the Titans because Nick Folk is very accurate, but he didn't have a big leg and he struggled to kick off. So what I make of the situation is the Patriots are stuck. You got three games to go. They have a rookie kicker who they like and they see potential in, and I think they're going to stick with them. And I think when you're three and 11, you can stick with them, Chris. Like if they were yeah. good. So if, the luxury of being a three and 11 no, team. No, 100%. If they were good, I mean, Chad Ryland's probably IR'd or, or cut and they're, they're bringing in a, a different kicker like you can't you can't go to the playoffs the kicker like chad ryland but because they're bad i think they're gonna let it ride out and it'll probably be the next coaching staff's problem to deal with all right let's get to our players of the game gold star who you got for this one i'm gonna go with christian barmore um he's been nice. you didn't take mine for once he's been an absolute force chris he now leads the patriots with five and a half sacks christian barmore is a absolute wrecking ball i do not care who the gm is next year Resign, extend Christian Barmore, 
set him here for you know the foreseeable future. Barmore is a guy that can anchor your defensive line. He's very, very good. And honestly, he's starting to show Pro Bowl type potential. He's a guy who other teams are trying to account for. They're chipping and they're he's just He's doing everything. He's blowing up the run. He's blowing up the pass. He's just, he's a really talented player. It's taken him three years, man, but um, it's, he's finally broken through. I don't know about the extension. The the knee stuff scares me where I'd probably want him to play out the rookie contract. And then, you know, if he like is healthy again next year, I'd be okay with overpaying because you've proven that you can stay out there and everything. But my player of the game is Hunter Henry who got the absolute snot kicked out of him today. He ended up leaving the game with an injury, which you never want to see. But he was showing up, making tough catches. Um, I think him and Zappi have some chemistry, which is interesting because that was always the Mac Jones thing, right? It's like him yeah. and Hunter Henry have great chemistry. You no, know, maybe it's just Hunter at this point. Maybe he's the tight end that's getting open, and that's where the chemistry has come from. How about this, Chris? Whoever the GM is next year, re-sign Hunter Henry. He's yeah. he's a he's a quality tight end. You know, um, I don't think he deserves to be the highest paid tight end in the NFL. And this year, he does have the highest cap hit out of all tight ends. But I'll say this: Hunter Henry's a captain. He's a good guy to have in the locker room. And he's a quality tight end. Bring him back. Yep, I'm on board with that. All right, thanks for following along. That's all for now. We'll catch you further on down the trail. This has been Ion Foxborough, brought to you by Mass Live. <laughs>